You know, when it comes to wireless carriers, sometimes what you see isn't always what you get. Except with Visible. With Visible, what you see is exactly what you get. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. With Visible, there are no hidden fees, no fine print, no hassle, nothing to hide. It's just $25 a month, all taxes and fees included. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. You can save on a line all to yourself with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And again, just $25 a month. The future of wireless is here and it is transparent. If you want more transparency in your wireless plan, you want to be on the Visible plan. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. That's Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. This episode of GameScoop is sponsored by Squarespace. If you're looking for a way to make your business stand out and succeed online, Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for you. They take the stress out of creating an awesome website, engaging with your audience, and selling anything from products to content to time so you're able to focus on, you know, everything else. In other words, you'll have more time for gaming. With the new guided design system, you can choose from curated layouts and styling options to build a unique online presence from the ground up, optimized for every device. And with Squarespace's integrated, optimized SEO tools, you'll show up more often to more people. Squarespace doesn't just make things easier for you. Checkout for your customers is made seamless with simple but powerful payment tools that allow you to accept credit cards, PayPal, and Apple Pay, and in eligible countries, offer the option to buy now and pay later with Afterpay and Clearpay. So whether you're just starting out or looking to expand your existing brand, be sure to visit squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com gamescoop for 10% off. What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN Game Scoop. I'm your host, Damon Hadfield. Joining me this week is Justin Davis, Scoop. Tom Marks, Scoop. and Tina Amini. Scoop. And we have a great show for you this week. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Sony and its first-party studios, which it uh, is a reportedly shifting gear into next-gen for PlayStation 5. we got to talk about Wargroove, which Tom reviewed. Uh, Justin and I have been playing. Mm-hmm. Tina, have you been playing Wargroove yet? It's very good. I encourage you to read Tom's review. We'll do some uh, discussion of that. That game should be out by the time you are listening or watching this video. But first, Metacritic has released its yearly roundup of the best game publishers, ranked by its average game reviews. The results may surprise you. The results may (laughs) surprise you. Uh, You won't believe, number six. Uh, The methodology is always a little bit strange, I think, um, but it always also adds for some interesting discussion here. So this list is not based on sales or user reviews. Mm -hmm. This is based on average uh, critic reviews for you know for the for the entirety of a, a publisher's catalog mm-hmm. that are released in 2018. It's a combination of uh, the average Metascore for all its games released, the percent of games that had good reviews versus the percent of games that had bad reviews, and then the number that uh, the number of his games that got great reviews, 90 or higher. Okay, I blacked out there for a sec. Can you just, okay. can you just bottom line it for me? It's it's based on their reviews. average okay. reviews. Got yeah. it. Whoever made the best <laughs> games. Also well, didn't see, no because it's like whoever, the bad games balance out. Like if you didn't publish more than four games or something, that's you don't another thing. Make the list. They they dis- distinguish between major publishers and mid tier publishers based on the number of releases. So Activision Blizzard is not a major publisher 
under this criteria. But they do make some of the most billions. That's true. <laughs> Not based on number of copies sold or or uh, how popular the game is, just the, the the amount of releases. Got it. That the publisher had. Uh, it also doesn't include any mobile games, so there won't be any sort of free-to-play Final Fantasy game dragging Square Enix down mm-hmm. on this list. So, with that said, the number one, you haven't seen this list, uh, have you, Justin? Yeah, I did. You did see it? Okay. Well, I saw it, I cheated and looked at your paper just now. Okay, well. <laughs> but you didn't see all of them, did you? There's no way you could have seen all I of them. I didn't see the actual Metacritic report. No. Unless he has a photographic memory. The number one, based on this criteria, the uh, number one major game publisher for 2018 was Capcom. Whew. What a surprise. <laughs> I mean, it's a little bit to me. Uh, mm-hmm. Capcom's best game of the year was Monster Hunter World, which, of course, yeah. Capcom is a 40-year-old company. That game became its best-selling game of all time. They had a great year last they year. They had a really good year last yeah. year. And uh, continuing into this year with Resident Evil 2, like it feels relevant mm-hmm. still in that oh, yeah. way. They got a really good start to 2019. Uh, its worst game for 2018 was Mega Man X Legacy Collection 2, but Which, even that yeah. wasn't bad. It's just, I get, guess that's why they're at the like top a, of the list. It's got a yeah. sixty. It's got a sixty. But yeah, those later, those back half Mega Man X games. You know, those aren't those aren't the good ones, really. Yeah, a, a lot of what this this categorization or how they're judging them seems to come down to consistency is mm. really important, right? Yeah. Like if you had some really good games, but then some really mediocre ones, you kind of ended up in the middle of the pack. Whereas. Capcom apparently just had a lot of like very consistently good games rather than mm-hmm. being spread out. They screwed up the curve for everyone else. Yeah, they did, apparently. It actually was kind of close at the top. It was, mm. it was interesting. Capcom's been doing well. They sort of, uh, I don't know, I feel like the quality of their releases has been improving. Because remember the debacle that was Marvel versus Capcom Infinite? Mm-hmm. Like they haven't had anything since then. That was well, and they brought Resident Evil back. Yeah. yeah. You know, 7 back was really survival well received. Yeah. And now seven. the remake of 2 is being really well oh, received. Yeah, that was 2018. No, Mon- Resident Evil 7? I think was that was 17. Nobody, nobody, nobody knows. <laughs> Monster Hunter <laughs> no World way to verify. had, what, three platforms it got released yeah. on, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it would have counted whatever. It had, I think it had like a 90 average, and so it got might have gotten counted multiple times in that regard. Yeah, it's true. I mean, that company for me is like, they're bucketed with like Konami, but that's like totally a historical way of thinking about it, right? Like they've stuck around and stayed relevant and stayed true to the, sort of their core gaming roots, whereas mm-hmm. a lot of other Japanese companies have sort of drifted um, drifted off or away. Uh, well, speaking of other Japanese companies, coming at number two is Sega. Mm-hmm. Wow. Sega. Yeah, there you go. Or it could, you could have done the, the Sega Shout. That's also acceptable. Sega! Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's best game was Sonic Mania Plus. That got a 91. Uh, it's best new IP was Two Point Hospital. I didn't yeah. realize that was published by Sega. Yeah, Se- Sega of Europe, I believe, published it, and it was just kind of like a, hey, just we like what you're doing, go ahead. It was Theme Hospital, right? Yeah, yeah pretty much. Basically, I mean, I think it was even the same people that made Theme Hospital. They it's even, on my list. Though. I have a back. I have a Steam backlog, and that's on it. It's good, and it's they even consider were published by Sega. They got um, a, a Sonic the Hedgehog arcade machine that you can put oh, in your hospital. Cool. And the developers were telling me that it was like a nightmare to get the exact clips and art that they needed to mm. get approved for oh. that thing because yeah, they sure. needed to make sure it was like fully okay Sonic stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sega's worst game was Shining Resonance Refrain, which is a bummer for me because the Shining series is a long-running uh, uh, Sega series, including Shining Force 1 and 2, which are a couple of my favorite games of all time. I did not know a Shining game came out last year. I did. What platform is it on? Do you <laughs> I know? think that's telling. Shining Resonance Refrain. I, I don't know. Switch and PC. I don't even know. I'm just guessing. <laughs> uh, that's about right. But uh, Wargroove does sort of fulfill that sort of turn-based strategy yeah. niche for me. Um, 
Metacritic notes that Sega's averages include games published by Atlas, which is a recently acquired Sega subsidiary. Mm-hmm. So. Then, uh, it's, yeah, coming up in 2019, Sega has Total War Three Kingdoms, which is the Chinese folklore version of Total War, I believe. Yeah, Chinese mm-hmm. myth, kind of. Yeah. It's focusing on it. It's like... It, it's the first time that they've done something where they're sort of blending the fantasy that they liked yeah. in Total War Warhammer with yeah. the history stuff from the previous games. It's, it's, yeah. It looks pretty neat. Yeah, um, but that's the only Sega game uh, that's been announced for this year that I'm aware of so far. Number three might uh, might bother some people. It's Electronic Arts. Well, they can call the cops. They can call the cops. They just publish a lot of games, to yeah. be well, fair. I mean, and their games actually review pretty well. I mean, they have, in terms of, it, there's a lot of legitimate criticism of Electronic Arts and their business practices, but in terms of, like, this video game came out and you have to give it a score, it's like... FIFA's pretty solid every year. Like mm-hmm. Madden is, you know, pretty solid every year. Like a lot of the EA sports stuff probably brings up their Metacritic that's average. That's probably true. Yeah. Well, that's why the this ranking NBA. system is so weird because like it's yeah. it's not really anything that I think would resonate with a lot of people mm-hmm. as number 3 would show. Yeah. <laughs> uh EA's best game was FIFA 19. Best new IP was A Way Out. That was actually well received. Yeah. Which I we like about yeah. it came out early last year. I mean FIFA uh, EA, you know, Deserves to be taken a task for some of the decisions that that company makes. But overall, I've always sort of respected that they seem to be a little bit more willing to shine a spotlight on smaller games. And mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I've always thought that they were a big company that acted a little bit more like a smaller company in terms of some of the smaller indie titles that they chose to shine a spotlight on at E3 and other times yeah. during the year. A Way Out was part of uh, what I think they call it EA Originals mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. publishing program. But then its other EA Original from last year was its worst game, Faye. But that, yeah. got a, that got a 70, so it's not like an it's abysmal bad, game. Yeah. Yeah. Just his worst review game. I, I reviewed that, and I yeah. actually I, I thought it was pretty mediocre, but there were uh, that was a game that had a wide range. I remember pretty clearly there was like a pretty even amount of reviews in the 6s, 7s, 8s, and like low 9s for that game. So some people really, really liked it, and other people it just didn't click with. And I guess it was more on that end overall. Yeah. yeah. And then 2019 is looking like, a pretty darn good year for EA. They've got Anthem coming up next month, which mm-hmm. I think people seem really excited about. They should have Jedi Fallen Order later this year. They've got Sea of Solitude as an EA original this year. Mm-hmm. And then there's supposed to be a Titanfall game uh, from Respawn coming as well. So, And, of course, there's sports games. Probably going to be another FIFA. Probably. I mm-hmm. mean, you heard it here that's first. That's a little bit of... Are you sure you want to Should we go ahead and announce, bold, should we announce FIFA 20 on Games <laughs> Group this week? Yes. Uh, number four was Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Best game. Uh, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, of course. Nintendo's best new IP, what do you think, Justin? Not, Gosh. remember, publisher, not developer. Well, I'm trying to think about what even new Nintendo mm-hmm. products came out this last year. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not going to. And you're no mobile game, so it wouldn't be like Dragalia Lost exactly. or anything? Exactly, yeah. Okay. But it would be uh, Octopath Traveler, oh. published by Nintendo, developed by Square Enix. Uh, it's but funny n- that's 2018. I remember it being so early in the Switch's life, but I guess it's whole whole Yeah, it was last summer. Yeah, last summer. July, I wow. think, yeah. Reviewed by but Seth Macy. So. It's like that thing where it's like, it's that just game's been just around forever, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, they showed it off. You, you may be conflating, like, that was one of the very first Switch, you know, big sort of right. third party. I mean, it's not third party, but one of the big non-Nintendo-developed games that Back was, when it was Project Octopath yeah, Traveler. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Surely they'll change the name to something more reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> There's eight characters, and you follow their paths. It makes sense. I don't understand. <laughs> Explain it to me uh, <laughs> more slowly. Slower and dumber. Sega of Europe just trademarked uh, two terms to describe that that art style uh, for Octopath Traveler. So that seems a hint that maybe, maybe you'll want to be using it again in, in uh, future games. Nintendo's worst game of 2018 was Kirby Battle Royale. 
Is that a 3DS game? Gosh. I believe so. I must so. be. Yeah. I think it was like a party, like sort of fighting e uh, game thing. A battle royale. Yeah. It was definitely multiplayer focused, which had is kind of not the point of Kirby. A hundred Kirby's parashuting out yeah, of an they could all They could all <laughs> eat each other. Yeah. I'd play that Smash. Yeah, game. actually, that actually, <laughs> as those words are coming out of my mouth, I'm like, that actually sounds pretty cool. <laughs> Gonna suck each other up. Yeah. Uh, oof. Uh, 2019 is looking really good for Nintendo. They've just got uh, Super Mario Bros. U Deluxe out. We've got Yoshi's Crafted World coming. Luigi's Mansion 3. Nintendo's going to publish Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3. We should have Animal Crossing. Animal Crossing. Fire Emblem. Pokemon. Mainline Pokemon on Switch. But of course, no Metro Prime 4 coming this year. Womp womp. Number five was Ubisoft. Ubisoft's best game was Assassin's Creed Odyssey, mm-hmm. which is I, I no still am enjoying. I was just playing it last night, hunting down cultists. It's so fun. Yeah, its best new IP was Transference, which is the uh, the, Fro- the Frodo game. Who who's Frodo? Elijah Wood. Elijah yeah. Wood. The Elijah Wood game. <laughs> the, the VR game. game. Better Elijah known Wood as Frodo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, Ubisoft's worst game was the uh, Hours of Darkness DLC for Far Cry Five. So they're including like DLC as uh, individual did you releases that? here. I think I did do that one. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't great, but I really liked Far Cry Five. Uh, and then in 2019, Ubisoft has Far Cry New Dawn coming next month, followed by The Division Two. They should have Skull and Bones coming later this year. Trials Rising. I like that Far Cry New Dawn is forty dollars. By the way, yeah, looks cool. Strikes me as the sort of thing that's not going to overstay its welcome. Sure. All I really want to do is scout and take over outposts in yep. a video game. So mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. I, I also wonder, excuse me, I wonder if that's also somewhat of a response to Far Cry Primal. Because when they did Primal and people were like, it's the same map, it's $60 yeah. game, yeah. people kind of got upset. Was Primal 60 I think it was. Maybe I'm wrong about that, though. Well, well but I did like Primal. $40 yeah. or $60 aside, that's clearly like the cycle that Far Cry is in yeah. now. Sort of a semi-standalone. I mean, not semi. It's, I mean, it's completely yeah. standalone, but it's building on, you know, the previous year's game. And I think that's just fine. Like, you can have the same map if it's different enough and has been remixed enough and has a unique spin on it. I it's think nice right. that they're even just considering a new price tier at all because it mm-hmm. always just feels like $60 or $20 experiences. Mm-hmm. Number six, bound to ruffle some feathers. That's Sony. Best Why game. ruffle feathers? Well, I just think they'll be bothered that it's that far oh, that down low, the list. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd say they've had one uh, of the better they're... years of everyone. Well, yeah, year. I think so too. Obviously, obviously, its best game is God of War. Best new IP, Astrobot Rescue Mission. Man, for what a year they had! PSVR. Yeah. But then they also published a couple of bad games like Bravo Team, which is a VR game that just reviewed very lowly. So that pulls their that pulls their average down. They did have the most games in 2018 that scored a 90 or higher. Out of mm. all these major publishers. I think they also were the, the publisher that had the most games on our best of list from Probably, last year, too. Yeah. So, yeah, so like I Spider-Man, mean, Spider Man, God of War. Yeah. What else? What was the other big one? Holding my mind. Well, like there was uh, Astrobot for VR. Yeah. Um, yeah. You mentioning that they had the most games over 90. Like, I completely understand what Metacritic's doing here. Like, the most consistent developers that mm. released the highest uh, percentage of good games. But if a company released like three or four bad games, like people just don't buy them. Like they don't weigh That's into. True. Like it's Sony true. contributed the most quality video game experiences mm-hmm. last year, and that mm-hmm. feels mm-hmm. like that's what kind of should matter. Yeah. They also made some like pretty important business decisions too. Like they pulled out of E3 this year, which I felt like was really transparent. Yeah. Um. That last year they announced like PSN name changes that people were like begging for for forever. Crossplay was a big deal, even though it was a little too late. But they made some mm-hmm. good decisions. They've still got a little work to do on that one too, because it's, yeah. it's still only like a couple games that have mm. crossplay, and they. I think that what they did last year was just show that they 
are open to it. Yeah. And then this is the year where they're going to have to really That's put their money where their mouth is. Yeah, it is. It is sure. 100%. I'll say their credit. God of War, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a video. I mean, IGN's yeah. Game of the Year. Yeah. IGN's yeah. Game yeah. of the Year. What more needs to be said? Exactly. 2019 is a little bit more of a question mark for Sony. Of course, they have Days Gone. Uh, they have MLB The Show, which you know a lot of people forget about, but is consistently good every yeah. single year. But then, like we don't know still about uh, Last of Us Part Two or Ghosts of Tsushima. Yeah, still waiting on those release dates for those games. Number seven was Square Enix. Best game. See, this is why they, they cheat a little bit here. Its best game was Near Automata: The Become as Gods Edition. Yeah, which was the Xbox One release oh, of a game that came out in 2017. That doesn't count. Well. Metacritic, take it up with Metacritic. Mr. Excuse Mr. Me. Critic. Mr. Critic. <laughs> um, its worst game was The Quiet Man, that sort of live action oh, yeah. game that, that was released at, or revealed at E3. And I don't know what that is. It's the, the what, what, what? It's like a mute fighter guy, but it's like a live action. The whole game was silent. Like an FMV yeah. game? Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, it's an FMV game, like but then the combat is digital. So you're going between this FMV, like looking at a person and then looking at a digital model of them. But the character is deaf, so the entire game was released silently. Uh, you couldn't hear what, like you would have these conversations where the character was talking to you, but you just wouldn't know what they're saying. <laughs> and there were no subtitles. Then you just, and you just had out. You had no yeah. idea. Yeah, You had <laughs> no idea what they were saying. Such situations. Yeah. And then a week later, they patched in an audio version so you could actually know the whole story and it was like that was their plan from the beginning and people played this game and were like what what even is this like why what's going on it just apparently did not work at all it's fairly high concept I mean I like Mm -hmm. the way you just described it it's like as a piece of art it's like okay this is kind of neat but I don't know it's a little bit of a hard sell as a commercial product to like you know yeah it sounds too confusing for people yeah that one has a a score of 29 and then they also had another big miss with Fear Effect Sedna they're trying to bring back Fear Effect um, a game from the early PlayStation 1 days, and that also scored very lowly. So that dragged Square Enix down a little bit. Number eight was Bandai Namco. Mm-hmm. Best game was Dragon Ball Fighters. Their worst game was Tennis. They released a game called Tennis on the Switch. And Excuse it was, me? Yeah, yeah. Tennis on just the Switch. Just Tennis? It's just called Tennis. Look it, up Tennis on the Switch. That game is deserves all the uh, it is all the hatred that's being piled onto it. At a 28, it is the lowest scoring game released by a major publisher in 2018 by Metacritic's standards. It's just, it's just broken. Like yeah. They just released a broken game called Tennis. Number nine is a publisher I haven't even heard of. Digerati Distribution. Oh, yeah, I know, you know, I know that? that name, but I, I don't know why right now. Best game was Omega Strike. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> Worst game was Fall of Light Darkest Edition. Again, haven't heard of that one. Finally, number 10 was NIS America. Mm-hmm. Best game, Disgaea 1 Complete. That also doesn't <laughs> count. F- yeah, Disgaea. <laughs> they released enough games to be counted. Uh, its worst game was SNK Heroines, the uh, lady fighting game. Disgaea 1 Complete was the Switch port? Or did it come out on everything? I think it came out on everything, like but it is a, on Switch, yeah. yeah. And I think it is uh, like 20% off right now on Switch, or 25% off right now. So that's why those are the top 10 of what Metacritic considered the major publishers. If you get into the mid-sized publishers like Activision Blizzard, which is sounds unusual to say, Activision would be considered number one, received very high scores for Destiny 2 Forsaken and Black Ops 4. Yeah. Take Two is number four, despite having what the best reviewed game of the year. They're number four on the mid-sized publisher list. But they had a very poorly reviewed game in Carnival Games. Uh, they brought Carnival <laughs> Games back. Don't think it matters. <laughs> Bethesda's number six, and then Microsoft is number seven on the mid-sized publisher list. They received high marks for Forza Horizon Seven or Horizon Four, but were weighed down by State of Decay Two and Sea of Thieves. Forza yeah. Horizon Four is so good. Yeah, everyone loves it. 
And I feel like in a weird way, just based off of their E3 announcements, they had the best 2018 because they finally listened to everybody, yeah. mm. acquired a bunch of new studios, like actually showed off games at their press conference. Yeah. Like they're, well, they're trying to put their best foot forward. 2018 and 2019 are kind of rebuilding years for them. Like they're not completely seeding, you know, they released Forza and State of Decay. Like they're not just giving up, but they're clearly, uh, yeah, they're rebuilding. You know, they're going to come back swinging with all the studios they acquired and they're taking their time. Yeah, yeah I, I don't think, I think rebuilding is a definitely a good way to put it because I don't know if 2018 was like, overly impressive in terms of what they actually put out besides For sure. Forza because Forza was amazing. Yeah. But yeah, Sony trumps them there. But yeah, they did a ton of stuff where I'm like, oh I'm I'm really excited to see For what's coming. Future. Right. Yeah. Like I I think they really kind of planted some seeds. They turned a new leaf. Yeah. For sure. And we're on the brink of like you like the way that you phrase it is good because we're on the brink of new consoles. So mm -hmm. definitely is a rebuilding. It's almost that time again. Yeah. For new consoles? Yeah. Yeah. It's insane. It's crazy. 2020, I think. Yep. Agreed. Arrive. Agreed. And I think there's just some news today on IGN that uh, Microsoft is teasing that they're going to have one of their biggest E3 showings ever. So that sounds very exciting. And it's kind of like their show this year yeah. because uh, Sony pulled out. Mm -hmm. Nintendo's you know, kind of doing a different thing, not directly competing. So It puts companies in a weird spot, though. You know, you the longer you wait to announce that, you know, yes, we are indeed, you know, confirm what everyone already knows. Like mm -hmm. there will mm -hmm. be another Xbox. There will be another PlayStation. The, you run the risk of someone else leaking it, the message getting away from you. Yeah. But if you announce it too early, then they'll have a very, very hard time selling Xbox Ones mm -hmm. this fall, right, yeah. which they still need to do. So um, these companies do kind of walk a tightrope. This episode of Game Scoop is brought to you by NordVPN. As Scoop Nation knows, your Omega Cops have been a little obsessed with a movie called Weekend at Bernie's lately. But as happens too often these days, it is difficult to find it streaming here in the US. That's where NordVPN comes in. With NordVPN, you can switch your virtual location to a more enlightened region where they appreciate the comic delights of Weekend at Bernie's. And it's not just for streaming movies and shows. Switching your virtual location can allow you to save money by purchasing flights, hotels, and subscriptions from other countries at a cheaper price. And you can do all this worry-free as NordVPN threat protection features protect you from viruses, malware, and phishing sites. Best of all, NordVPN costs the price of a cup of coffee a month, and one account can be used on up to six devices. To get the best discount on your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com gamescoop. Our link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nordvpn.com gamescoop. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Well, speaking of the next generation, let's move on to some Sony news. Uh, there's some uh, reports coming out this week that Sony is apparently shifting its first-party development focus onto PlayStation 5. So I thought it might be a good time to take stock of who Sony's first-party studios are and what we know or think mm -hmm. they're working on. They have a lot of them, too. They do. This uh, comes from industry analyst Daniel Ahmad, who broke the news of PUBG coming to PS4. And his quote um, is that he says, In general, most of the focus for Sony first-party studios is on PS5 right now. It is still early to talk about next-gen, but I imagine we'll hear some whispers come out of GDC, mm. which is coming up late February. That seems plausible. March. Probably yeah. have to start, start signing on third parties and yeah. giving them a little bit of a heads up on yeah. what's coming down the pike. The Game Developers Conference would be a good place for, for Sony to be having meetings. 
with game developers about developing for or PlayStation di- or 5. Dice in mid February or Dice even yeah. sooner even even sooner yeah so so clarify something for me real quick mm. if you can the, the, Try. this guy's <laughs> an he's he's an industry analyst obviously with a pretty good track record mm. does is him saying this stuff mean that he like has heard it knows it firsthand or is it him making predictions trying to like get a sense the way i understood is he he's heard himself okay he, from okay. his sources right right, right his right, anonymous right. sources um so let's run down sony's studios here uh it's first party studios first of all there's bend studio which is making days gone that's yep. coming out uh very soon is that march that's a march game um i don't think that studio has the bandwidth to be working on something else at the same time for playstation 5 so they're probably just working on wrapping up Days Gone. Then there's Gorilla, which uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. Yeah. I have to imagine they're working on a Horizon Zero Dawn 2 for PlayStation 5. Horizon was, was a while ago, right? 2016, I want to say. Like, that's like, if that if the next game is so 2020, like, three years. Twice the gap. Yeah. Horizon 1 Dusk. Yeah. Horizon, <laughs> yeah. It's pretty good. Dork. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's not a new joke. I, I've recycled that one. <laughs> but uh, Gorilla made five. Killzone games. They yeah. they created this new IP with Horizon. It was a big it was a big hit. Mm-hmm. Surely they're making a sequel. Well, and it's so I'm not even Horizon's like biggest fan, but even I'm excited to see like it's just such a the, the franchise and the fighting, the, the dynamic combat and yeah. just the scale of the combat can benefit so clearly from like more powerful new hardware in a way that like you know I don't need to see like a Call of Duty or something or a Halo running on like next gen like it'll be prettier but like Horizon feels like a game that they can really just go completely crazy with it if they if they were sort of unshackled by the limitations of current generation hardware but know? but even apart from technology Horizon is a style of game that I'm really excited to see modernized and I know that's a weird thing to say about a game that's like fairly new but I feel like Horizon's design and it's kind of it, the the way it pushed the player through the world mm-hmm. became obsolete very quickly in oh, light of Breath of the Wild, God of War, mm-hmm. mainly Breath of the Wild. Well, but I would love to see what a Horizon game looks like in a post-Breath of the Wild world and what the lessons they learned from that. It's open world game design is very conventional and right. fairly old school. And where it really innovated and pushed the envelope was with its combat, which, you know, deserves yeah. all the praise. And yeah. so hopefully, you know, the rest of how you explore that world and the way quests are laid out and just the way that game works can sort of match up to the more forward facing, um, oh, yeah. you know, third person combat in it. I should clarify, uh, Horizon came out like a month before uh, the Nintendo Switch and Breath of the Wild. So that would have been 2017, not mm-hmm. 2016, as I said. Uh, then there's Japan Studio, and they always have a lot uh, that they're working on. I'm going to say yes, they are working on something for PlayStation Five. They just yeah. they just did Astrobot Rescue Mission. If Sony wants to continue PS uh, PSVR going forward, Japan. I thought that was uh, Japan Studio made that game. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, they also did Knack One and Two. <laughs> I mean, you laugh, you laugh, but I mean, all aboard the Knack Train. This was a new IP they developed for PlayStation Four. I, I imagine they'd want to. It has its fans out there for uh, and the gamers. No, you don't think. You, do you think Knack is done? There yeah. will not be a Knack Three. What, why are you saying it like that? I I'm obviously <laughs> think Knack. Everyone on Earth thinks Knack. That's not a okay. controversial opinion. Okay, I, I, I let's surprised. run the snap poll. Oh wait, <laughs> we're not live. Okay, okay never mind. Live. What do you guys think? Were you is, is Knack done? In your yeah, mind? The okay. Knack 2 was pretty bad reception-wise, so I can't imagine they banked. I thought it was received better than Knack 1. That's true, it was, but not like, like so incrementally <laughs> I, better that I don't know that there's okay, much of an maybe, investment. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm totally mistaken. I have exactly as much interest in the Knack franchise well, I don't have any interest did. in myself. 
before the Knack franchise came out. I j- that game has never interested me in any way. <laughs> it doesn't interest me either. I just thought there was. I, ha- I thought it had some like family game. You're family. clearly an an inside Knack yeah, lover. We so. all know it. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> Japan Studio also helps out with a lot of stuff like the Shadow of the Colossus remaster and everybody's golf. Um, they also created Ape Escape way back in the day. So bring back Ape Escape. Yeah, hashtag definitely. bring back Ape Escape. Now is the time for those nostalgia plays, though. Like, real talk. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that team, that uh, Last Guardian team, Shadow of the Colossus team, mm-hmm. ooh, you got me excited thinking about what they're cooking up. Hopefully something Just a good. PS5 remake? What? HDD? <laughs> Hopefully <laughs> it just doesn't day. take 10 years. I'd know. play it again. Yeah. Yeah, you could play that every couple of years. Uh, there's London Studio. They they do the stuff like SingStar, iPad. They developed PlayStation Home. So, yeah, I'm sure they're doing... Something along those lines for PlayStation 5. I really liked PS Home. Yeah, maybe they should bring that one back. PlayStation Home 2. I think it was ahead of its time. Yeah. Uh, There's Media Molecule, which of course is trying to, (laughs) they've been trying to uh, get Dreams out the door for uh, some time, and apparently people are making some very impressive games within Dreams. So I would imagine they don't have the bandwidth to be working on anything else at this time. Mm. And there's Naughty Dog, Last of Us Part 2. What do we think? When, when, when we hear this, that Sony is shifting first-party development onto PlayStation 5, any of these games that have been previously announced for PS4, in your mind, do you think there's a possibility they could be moved over to the PS5? Well, I have to support our news team and mm. Jonathan Dornbush, who put together a list of PlayStation uh, games that are currently in development that'll probably make it to PS5 mm-hmm. uh, cycle. And he says that for The Last of Us Part Two, which makes a lot of sense to me because it has no release window, mm. we haven't seen a ton of it yet. The, I think the biggest chunk that we saw was at E3 last year. So it makes sense that it could wait until 2020. Why don't they just do both? Well, that's that's the yeah. other thing. Yeah. It could do a, well, could do think, a Twilight Princess. Right? I think that's what yeah. Death Stranding is going to be because that mm-hmm. game is certainly far enough along where we could see that on PS4 and then again on PS5. Well, the, the, for third-party games in particular, yeah, I mean, they have a need to recoup their investment and uh, their only consideration is how many copies of this game can we sell. But if you're a first-party game, you're sort of playing a little bit of a different game where you're kind of trying to convince people to uh, to, to upgrade, to get the PS5. Like, mm. Sony needs to convince people that the PS5 is the thing they have to buy and have in their living room. And so they might be willing to take a little bit of a hit on... Um, on uh, you know just the install base, like just giving up on the PS4 install base in order to convince people that the PlayStation 5 is the thing they need. I think there would be a lot of upset Sony fans if uh, Last of Us Part Two skipped PS4 and just moved on to PS5. Yeah. Uh, Sony has a Manchester studio. They make games for PSVR, so sure, they're probably making something for PS5. I'm curious to see what happens with PSVR and the mm-hmm. PS5. I think they're committed to it. Yeah, I feel like it's one of those things that's going to kind of keep trucking, mm-hmm. and the people who enjoy it and have one will continue to enjoy it and have mm-hmm. one and have games to play, but I don't know. Uh, Pixel Opus is a studio that's uh, local here in San Mateo. They are currently working on Concrete Genie, which is a game inspired by Jet Set Radio. I really liked the first look we got at that at E3 last year. Yeah, but that's still we're still waiting on that one. Uh, then there's Polyphony Digital, of course, House of Gran Turismo, and I would say yes, Sony would definitely want to have a Gran Turismo game for PlayStation 5. Racing games are great showcases for visuals, right? Bring back Omega Boost. Yep, sure. Bring back Omega Boost. Sure. <laughs> the last uh, Gran Turismo game was in 2017, I think, Gran Turismo Sport. Yeah. So but there's still a it's like a game as a service that they're still, you know, it's still being updated. Right. Gotcha. San Diego Studio makes MLB The Show. That's, a, <laughs> that's an annualized release. Yes, that will come to PS5. Santa Monica Studio, God of War. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not, not even been quite a year since God of War was released, so of course they've been quiet, but 
Uh, I would have to imagine God of War 2 will be a PlayStation 5 game. Can you imagine how good that game is going to look? Yes. Mm. Yes. <laughs> yes, I no can. No one, yes. <laughs> just want to see. I mean, I love the World Serpent. How can the World Serpent look even even better? Yeah. I don't even know. God of War 2 is one of those games that's that's funny to me because I feel like everyone just is like, yeah, that's that's happening. Like, th- there's been, there hasn't been a whisper about it. There's been yeah. no indication of anything that it's existing. They didn't do any DLC for God of War One, right? Mm-hmm. All this stuff is just like God of War is here, and that's all it did, and that's great. I'm not hating on that, but it's oh, like, like it's so funny that everyone is just like, yeah, just it, a guarantee. There's gonna be it. It's, it was there's so just successful. no question. How could it not be? I right. It's just so They'd funny be remiss that not to. I feel like there's, I I'm I struggle to remember a game that everyone is so certain is coming with so little evidence in the past, right? Mm -hmm. It is so certain that that game is coming. I'd also like to uh, look at examples of games that received uh, IGN's Game of the Year but never got a sequel. Mm. Ooh. should write that list. There is Journey. Yeah, that's the one that came to mind. Portal 2? Although it itself I mean, is a sequel, yeah. it's Breath of the, the Wild. Wild. I mean, yeah, you're right though that people love Portal right and like, now. where did that, where did that franchise go? I guess yeah. it came in Bridge Constructor. Where did Portal. Valve go? Portal Bridge Constructor. Yeah, there's a Portal like mini games on the Vive too. Yeah, there's some Portal stuff. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's stuff like you know, Dragon Age doesn't have a sequel yet. Yeah, but we keep hearing. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing, the, yeah, the thing about the God of War sequel that again we know nothing about, but you know, it's just obviously going to happen. Um, is it, like it just makes me so excited. Like you get this like second wave of like I enjoyed God of War and Spider Man so much, and then I'm just giddy with the idea that's like over the next ten years we're just going to get two or three more of you know bigger and better takes on like that experience. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, as long as they don't muck it up. And so that's just it's just great. Like it's great to get a first. Like a first stab at something that goes so well the first time around, right? And it's like awesome. Like now this is just another thing that I have to look forward to. Yeah, I think the other speculation might also be like, without any spoilers, the ending, the narrative of God mm-hmm. of War mm-hmm. felt like it was kind of setting something else yeah. up. Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah, it, you Absolutely. can't possibly end it there. Yeah. yeah. Then there's Sucker Punch uh, making Ghosts of Tsushima. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Is that is that another game that maybe they actually just want to push on a PlayStation Five? I don't know. I think that's a likely one. Yeah. Like to me, to me, something like uh, The Last of Us Part Two feels like it could probably be one of the in between games. It's mm-hmm. on PS4 and PS5. Ghost of Tsushima doesn't have, like you said, the ties where mm. there's a whole bunch of PS4 people who would be very, very upset if mm. The Last of Us Part Two didn't come to PS4. Uh, and I feel like Ghost of Tsushima kind of is a little free of that, where it can mm. just be a PS5 game that people are excited for and it has less baggage to come along with that and what it yeah. means. Although for The Last of Us Part Two, we know they're still making hires for that particular game, so mm. it feels a little bit like, I mean, it could be just could be the, long, the last haul of it, but yeah. Right. yeah. Interesting. Uh, and then finally, Sony has a fairly new studio called Visual Arts. Previously, they were doing a lot of motion capture work for Sony's first-party games, but now Sony's just calling Visual Arts a developer. Mm. And we'd have, we have no idea what they're working on yet, but, so. but I would imagine something for PlayStation 5. With great motion capture. It's going to have really good motion capture. Uh, there you have it. That's a little bit of an update on all of Sony's first-party studios. Damn, they have a lot of studios. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, how many was that? One, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve-ish. Nice. And Microsoft is, uh, I mean, they, they made several great announcements last year. There were five at E3 and then two more in November. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, catching up. They're ramping up. Yeah. And we know third-party <laughs> stuff is already announced to go next-gen, like Elder Scrolls, they already said. So. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, and then of course you mentioned Death Stranding. Cyberpunk is a big question mark. Yeah, you know where's that going to land? Oh, it'll be next gen. Think so? Yeah. yeah. 
Well, so, didn't they say? I think they said they were aiming for current gen. But. Cross gen? No, I mean, I only say that with so such confidence because of how far out I think that game still is. But also, I'd yeah. be happy to be proven wrong. Yeah, I think a key team member just left that uh, that team, didn't they? Yeah, you see that news, and then it's hard to like, oh, it's bad yeah. news, or maybe the game's not so far along. But it's hard to say. It's like, I don't know, people come and go from jobs all the time for personal reasons. And I don't read as much into that as sometimes message board goers do. All right, moving on. Tom, Wargroove. Yes. Uh, I love this game. It's yeah. super fun. It's groovy. Everybody check out Tom's review. Uh, would you give it an 8.5? 8.5. Yeah, it's a great game. Great point five. And this is, you know, we talked about this a little bit last week. Uh, sort of, it's, it's basically an Advance Wars, a, mid, a medieval Advance Wars game. Yeah, like, uh, what's the word? Fantasy instead, yeah. of, instead of modern warfare. Yeah, military, yeah. Uh, it's really cool. It does a lot of things. It brings back Advance Wars and what I wanted... What people have been missing for Advance Wars for 11 years now. Has it been that long? I think it's Jeez. been 10 or 11 years since the last Advance Wars game, Bummer. which is nuts. Uh, and someone at Chucklefish, who are the people who made Starbound, were just like, we're not going to wait any longer. We're just going to make one. And Nintendo, thankfully, has been really excited about it and been putting it in their directs <laughs> and promoting it. And it's really good on Switch. So uh, it also does a lot of things, though, that I really appreciate where it... It brings back all the things I loved about Advance Wars in that series, but it doesn't just stop there. Like, it's added a lot of its own kind of humor, and it's a lot of its own character. Then it's added a lot of its own, like, little mechanical things that are just, like, very subtly different, like the positioning th stuff with crit attacks. Yeah, I think that's really cool, the way it handles critical attacks instead of randomizing it. Yeah. Uh, instead of putting it on a dice roll, it's just basically based on where you place your units. I think it's really cool. Adds to the tactics of mm -hmm. it too, um, and then also the the key thing to me is the level editor and that campaign editor in this game is just off the wall good. It's unbelievable that it has crossplay. The entire game is it's only out uh, as of Friday. It's out on Xbox One, uh, Switch, and PC, and then mm -hmm. it's coming to PS4 later. And it's got crossplay on Xbox One, PC, and Switch. So. If you're playing on Switch and I'm playing on PC and he's playing on Xbox, we can all be in the same match playing a custom map that Justin made on any one of those systems, mm -hmm. uh, which is really, really cool. And the map, le the level editor, as far as I can tell, the entire campaign was pretty much made in their campaign editor. You can make cutscenes, you can make story beats and dialogue, you can make whole maps of side quests and main missions that link into each other. Yeah, it's you and I insane. were talking about how it clearly started with them like, hey, let's have like a really, really robust level editor. And someone said, well, what if you could, you know, stitch those together into a campaign? And then, like, the natural progression of that is, like, well, clearly we need to let people write their own dialogue and make their <laughs> own cutscenes by, like, placing these, you know, interstitial moments between the levels. And um, and the end result is, like, one of the most robust and sort of uh, complex and fully featured, you know, campaign editors outside of, like, an actual RPG maker tool yeah. that's, like, ever hit, like, a consumer-level video game. And they're going to have mod support on PC. It's not coming at launch, as far as I know, but they're going to add it in, like, Steam Workshop stuff mm -hmm. a month or two later, I think. How quickly until Advance Wars becomes, is just modded just, in. Yeah, Advance Wars is just going to be in this Advanced game. Advance Groove, yeah. Pretty have much. you made your own campaign yet? Uh, I haven't made my own campaign, but it's definitely fun to make levels on the train, just mm -hmm. kind of, like, mm -hmm. toy around with stuff. Mm -hmm. 
Does it feel like there's a good like community base area? I mean, it's not launched yet, but that you can kind of go like into finding yeah. levels and stuff. Uh, finding levels. So there's there's a browser where you can just scroll through everything, and then you can. There's also a featured tab, and I mm. don't know how you get on the featured tab. I think probably it's probably yeah. I think it's developer yeah. curated. There's also like a thumbs up or start like you know. You, there's a user Sound signal for people system. to say that they like like mm. something. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, with the game not out yet, like I was browsing user-made levels, so we'll have to see how that evolves. Mm-hmm. It's also got just a really like charming pixel art style, cute, really characters. lavishly animated. I saw you tweet about the battle pups. I noticed that also. So it has a great one of your units are battle pups. You can send a pack of dogs into battle, but when they are like attacked, they don't die; they just run away. Yeah, so it's, really nice. <laughs> it's very cute. It's cute. There's a there's a whole commander whose name's Caesar, who's a dog in armor, yeah. and he's not like a magic dog or anything. Just a dog. He's just, just a dog. A dog. All the, dogs the are soldiers, magical, how dare you? <laughs> the soldiers take orders from the dog. Yeah. Yep. It's great. I really like it, too. Yeah, I'm it's enjoying really, it. It's one, one criticism I think that I've heard is that the battles can tend to be really long, and there's no like mid-battle save points. Too In the campaign, yeah. yeah. And the, the uh, distinction I had to make, I actually had to go back and clarify this in my review. Uh, you can quit a fight and then come back, and it will be where you've left off, but you can't... like save and then load and i think that's to stop save scumming you know where you just like save and then you try a thing and lose and reload to say that there's no mid-mission saves doesn't mean that you have to see it through to the end you can walk away at any time and pick it back up right if you lose you know 58 minutes into a 60 mission you have to start it over there's no checkpoint yeah gotcha yeah and i I, i'm in act three right now and already a couple of them the battles have been like 90 minutes long so yeah they're they're long and there's a lot of other little things with this game where it's just if it wasn't so good and didn't have so much, there are just all these other little issues, like the level editor doesn't have an undo button. Oh so if you accidentally mm. destroy part of your map, you just are stuck with that. Well, can't um, you just build again? You can rebuild it, yeah. It's just, so for example, the deep ocean tile tool will place one tile of deep ocean and then a tile of water all around it. So if you accidentally select deep ocean instead of ocean and then like tap it, you'll just destroy nine tiles and you have to rebuild mm-hmm. that. And it's like, why, why can't I just hit undo? <laughs> yeah, sure. Seems I like, like uh, little details like, um, and Advance Wars had this too, to be fair, but uh, if a map gets big and sprawling and you have units all over the place, you can hit on switch, it's like left bumper, and it'll put your cursor over any unit you haven't moved yet. Hmm. So that's the way that I like yeah. clean up. I mostly make my turn, yeah. but then that's like a safety, like did I forget to do something with yeah. one of my infantry units right. or something like that. Just little details that, Damon, I know that you praised how uh, sort of snappy the mm-hmm. game is. Just everything feels fairly fast. Like the one got a very good game feel to it. I don't know. The one quality of life thing I wish it had is uh, the ability to like, uh, you know, when you highlight an enemy unit, you can see its uh, area of movement yeah. and its attack area. I wish you could lock it and then uh, move the cursor elsewhere right. to compare. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It's a lot of little things right? Yeah. That, like that, right? Well, they're not life choices. Yeah, they're not deal breakers or anything. They're just like, oh, that's a little annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, or the ability to toggle on all enemies' movement and attack mm-hmm. range yeah. would be yeah, nice. It's like I'm playing it on the Switch. It's perfect for the Switch. Like clearly, yeah. you know, it's like yeah. an Advance Wars. It's not unfair to call it a clone, but an Advance Wars like it makes a tremendous amount of sense on the Switch. Um, but then I'm torn between like I want that mod support on yeah. Steam. So it's like I may stop playing the Switch version and make Steam my sort of primary mm. platform, Wargroove platform. They said the current plan too is to let uh, let PC players share modded maps in this normal way with other PC players. I really hope that they figure out a way to do that mm. with crossplay as well because mm. it'd be so cool to be able to make Advance Wars and then send it to the Switch or something like that, mm. but I doubt that'll happen. But they won't be able to uh, 
Like if it's got art assets and stuff. That exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's the that's the totally problem. Because if somebody made Advance Wars and then let somebody on Switch use it, then Nintendo, I don't think, would be happy with that. <laughs> it is weird that Nintendo has these beloved properties like Advance Wars, like Metroid, 2D Metroidvania games that it just refuses to make. But then other developers make Wargroove. They make there's so many pixelated Metroidvania games out there right mm-hmm. now that are popular. So like, what? It, doesn't it show Nintendo that there's a demand for it out there, or is Nintendo happy to just sell those games on its platform and take a cut? Yeah, you know? I mean, there's an interesting, you know, there's F Zero, there's other properties yeah. that Nintendo's just sitting on. Yeah, um, Star Fox, they kind of seem to. You know, it's like obviously they should be making F Zero, but then you look at their financial report, and Mario Odyssey sold 13 million copies, and yeah. you know, Smash Brothers sold twice as much as the previous Smash Brothers, and it's like, okay, maybe they don't need any advice well, from yeah. anyone <laughs> on the right thing to be focusing on. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Wargroove, highly recommended. Should be out now. Uh, and then, Justin, what is Trails in the Sky? Trails in the Sky is like a capital J, JRPG. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, I, it, so here's the thing that I'm wrestling with about this game. I play it every night, and I, I'm liking it a lot, but it's very boring. <laughs> and so I don't know That's how fun. to reconcile these two. What are you playing like, it on? What I'm playing it. On, it's on Steam. Okay. It's an old PSP RPG, okay. um, but it kicked off a franchise. There's like nine of them now, and mm. I went back to play the original one. Um, no, I think you just have to. That's what I'm in the mood for right now. We've talked before about sometimes I'm in the mood for like a sprawling open world game or a more like focused linear thing. I don't play a lot of JRPGs, and I'm I'm treating it almost more like a visual novel. Where like this game is slow paced. It's like it's like 65% just like tabbing through dialogue and then like 30% like overworld in combat. So <laughs> if you treat it as more of just like a lean back, like just let this story come to me and like, you know, that kind of experience, I'm enjoying it tremendously. Yeah. Nice. So this is a, did it, was it just recently released on Steam? No. So Trails in the Sky is uh, one of these, the Trails franchise is a JRPG franchise that's been like picking up Steam year over year over year. It's been going in Japan for a long time and now it's sort of breaking through. It's not that different than like Yakuza actually where like mm. it's always been kind of there in the background but now it's breaking through and sort of gaining, it's just becoming more and more prominent um, as more and more games come out and get localized into English. So Cool. Um, I was in the mood for... I don't like again. I don't do a lot of like fifty-hour story-heavy JRPGs, but I'm like, let's go. It's January. I'm not yeah. playing Resident <laughs> Evil, so too scary. Oh yeah, way way too spooky. For me. <laughs> <laughs> let's check in with the listeners. Hey, listeners. Listeners, remember you can always reach us at the email address gamescoop at ign.com, just like Raj Porjavahari did. Oh, you Apologies. If I mispronounce sure, yeah, that, just right. he says, I'm a new listener and instant fan of your amazing show, and I would like to write to you. Is this the best way to write to you for the show? Yes. <laughs> you nailed it, Iraj. You emailed us at gamescoop at IGN.com, just like everyone else can. People like Rob Bowman, who writes in, says... Oh, that was it. That yep. was his whole... He just That's <laughs> all he said. He just wanted to, he wanted to double check. This is the way to reach us, and he, he did it. Got on the show. He did it, Iraj. Uh, Rob says... My name's Rob. I've been listening a long time. Got a topic for the Omega Cops as Anthem made it pop back up for me. Do housekeeping mechanics that halt your enjoyment need to just die out? Hmm. Things like the overheat stopping you from flying in Anthem or over-encumberment in Bethesda games. Hmm. I personally can't stand that they just put a hard stop to your enjoyment to make you do a chore like clean your bags or cool your jets. Is there any real point to them anymore? Good question. Yeah. Uh, Anthem... I think is a really interesting point for this 
like to, to center this around because I have a love hate relationship with that overheat system in, mm. in Anthem. Yeah. I think it does a really good job of making you think about how you're flying while you're flying somewhere because you're like, okay, I got to dive, I got to go near this waterfall. But also, you're totally right that it's so annoying and it runs out so much quicker than I want it to. Yeah. Uh, so I think that. That's how I like those things is if they serve a purpose, if they make you think about a game mechanic in a different way, whereas over-encumberment just feels like every time I run into it, I'm yeah. just like, ugh, I have to sell things now. Drop those yeah. wheels of cheese. You don't need to carry them all with you. <laughs> but I want them. Yeah, I was going to say that. Like, I over-encumberment, 100%. I, I hate it so much. Weapon-breaking yeah. systems, I hate it so much. Like, it's for game balance, right? It, sort well, of. So, like, in this sense... Over-encumberment is a relic of D&D, and I will stand mm-hmm. by that to the day I die. Over-encumberment I want is all my wheels of cheese. pen and paper, like, game design taken like, far too far into the modern world. Think about Legend of Zelda. Yeah. Would it be more fun if Link couldn't carry everything with him? It'd be more fun if all the weapons I just well, got I mean, didn't it also break has that, yeah. after three like hobgoblins or uh, whatever. Yeah, that's fine. Um, also, he does have bag space in that, too. I'm sorry? Yeah, yeah that's what he does have. Oh. In what? In, in Zelda? In Breath of the Wild? No, I was thinking of like, the original Legend oh, of Zelda. Oh, oh. You I just carry you. everything. I mean, yeah. I, I'm kind of of two minds because you have to put limits on your players, right? Like... <laughs> But it depends on if those limits actually make sense for what you're aiming to do. So for I haven't played the Anthem beta, um, but I assume they don't want just people just like flying through the world and missing out on whatever other like encounters they might see if they just put their feet on the ground for a moment. Mm-hmm. So that I can understand. And if it's over encumberment in the sense of like you have a satchel or something that you can progressively buy equipment for and expand it, that's also one thing because that's progress on a different level. The other stuff just feels like stunted progress for yeah. the sake of stunted mm-hmm. progress. I agree. Yeah, it's a tricky one. Like you, uh, like I rail against like developers wasting players' time all the time. Like I drop games wholesale just because I don't feel like my time's being respected. But you know, um, you can't always trust. Like gamers don't always want what they think they want, Mm. and you see that with stuff like World of Warcraft, where they add more and more and more convenience features, and you can fly anywhere and port to dungeons and you know find a party, and like that makes the game so much more accessible and easier to play. But then some of the flavor of that world feeling like a dangerous place that you have to kind of traverse through is lost along the way. Um, And if you had every single weapon, if you could hoard thousands of weapons in uh, in Zelda Breath of the Wild, like that would break the game. That wouldn't Mm -hmm. work. Um, So it sort of forces people to innovate and everyone's best moments from Breath of the Wild are like my best weapon broke. And then I had to innovate some other way to take down this guardian. Um, So I don't know. Yeah, I like restrictions that make sense in terms of like if you have a boss and they're they're only like sensitive to these specific buffs or stats or whatever. Like that makes more sense to me because you're thinking about it from a strategic level. But there are some that just feel like, no, we just want you to continue to go out and grind more and find more weapons Mm -hmm. and like feel like you're always a little bit more at danger than, you know, at the point where you're at level 70, you maybe shouldn't be anymore. I I think that... uh any, I'm getting very sick of hunger and thirst in video games. Mm. And, and maybe this is just me getting sick of survival games generally, but like any game that's like you have to eat a apple every 10 minutes or else you're going to you know fall over and die for no reason. I just am so sick <laughs> of that. But what yeah. about in Red Dead with your horse? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's what, well, we probably shouldn't go there because I didn't enjoy Red Dead very much at all. So <laughs> I would say in Red Dead... Your horse, you mean. This, yeah. That stuff... <laughs> The like cleaning, brushing your horse in Red Dead, cleaning your guns, uh, maintaining uh, Arthur's weight. That stuff doesn't really halt your progress. What bothered me is that it just seemed irrelevant. It just seems like mm-hmm. extra, 
extra yeah. mechanisms in, that didn't need to be there. It's more inter interaction and engagement with the world if you want it to be yeah. there, since they focus so heavily on realism. Yeah. Yeah. It sort of feels like understanding what kind of game you're making. Um, you know, whereas in Red Dead, it does feel, it feels more superfluous in a game where like survival and the elements is more core to like the actual core game design. Like, I, I, I don't know why this is the example I jump back to, but I was really, really old school into Minecraft, like before it was like Minecraft that it is now. Mm -hmm. And they added a hunger system like that wasn't in the game when it came out. And I'm like, that's not what I'm here for. Like, yeah. I don't want that pressure, that time pressure on me playing this game. And um, yeah, I, I I used I think we played Minecraft at the exact same time because yeah. that was when I was obsessed with it, too. And when they added hunger, I was just like, yeah, just why? Like, yeah. I don't get it. Uh, but as for Anthem, I, don't, I haven't played it yet. But is your the cooldown or like your overheat system as you like level up over time? Is that expected to? Are you going to be able to fly for longer periods of time before no, you? No, I think so. Like the the storm javelin can stay hovering longer. Like they they have different requirements. So like the the colossus, the big guy, can't stay in the air quite as long. Mm. Uh, and then I think that there are items and things you can equip that will adjust that, let mm. you like cool quicker or anything like that. Uh, also, things like the interceptor javelin has like three jumps and a, like two dodges, pretty much. So you can not use fuel to be in the air for longer. Hmm. Um, so there's a lot of ways that that in, like interacts with a lot of different systems. But and again, like I said, it does make you think about your place in the world a lot. But or who you are. See, like that kind of system, yeah. cooler with because yeah. if you if you're yourself making the decision to do a trade off between I rather be more of this tank style class, right. um, but I'm sacrificing flight time, like that's fine by me. But then also, it's like this much too short. Mm. <laughs> it's this much too short. But you know, it's beta; they're balancing it. Yeah, maybe maybe they'll adjust it. Yeah, in something like Skyrim, the over encumberment thing wouldn't bother me if I could eventually uh, become powerful enough that it wasn't an issue. Mm. You know, I just gave mm. everything to Lydia. There you go. Carry all my garbage. <laughs> Carry all these Dwemer, just iron rods and garbage. I want this cheese for later. Yeah. Take care of this for me. Hold my cheese. Uh, and that brings us to Video Game 20 Questions. Our suggestion this week comes from Damien. He says, long-time listener, first time writing in. Today marks the 200th episode I've listened to consistently. Wow. I wanted to write in for the first time to commemorate the achievement. Thanks for the countless hours of entertainment. Last but not least, shout out to all my friends from my hometown, Kansas City. Hey. We repping Casey Moe. Fellas and the ladies know. Another Damien from Kansas City. So wait a second. Is he just you with a little yep. tea? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, uh, yes, I am Damien Hetfield. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you found it out. Uh, all right, with that, let the questioning begin. Oh, wait, that was just 20 questions. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not prepared for this. You got to be, you, it's now or never. Does, does this game uh, have, a, do you have an inventory of items that you have to manipulate and sort in this game? Do you get over-encumbered in this game? I think so. Oh. Great. <laughs> Pretty sure. You have an inventory in this game? You're poking around bag space in this Think game? I so. think mm. so. Okay. Should we just like only ask about inventory questions? No. <laughs> no. Not if we want to win. Uh, okay, I'm going to ask then, does it, is it a Western game? No. Okay. Is it an RPG? No. Mm. Interesting. Inventory without... Did this game come out after January 1st, 2000? No. Oh. Interesting. That threw me for a loop, so if you yeah. have one, go ahead. Uh, 
Do you play in the third person perspective? Yes. This game come out in the 90s? Yes. And it's not a Western game. 90s non-Western RPG with some sort of... Non-RPG. Non-RPG, excuse me. It's probably Japanese. Yeah. Yeah. You want to confirm? Uh, Well, he said not Western. Yeah. I feel like that's a safe bet. Yeah. Trying to think of 90s. Hold on. Japanese game. When you asked if it's Western, did you mean Western developed? Yeah. Yeah. What did you think? (laughs) Uh, I understood it as a Westboy game. Cowboy game. However, that would really oh, narrow it down. However, the answer is the same for both. Okay. okay. <laughs> it's neither Western developed nor it is a Western. We got, we got a two for one. Yeah, we got a freebie. <laughs> freebie. That's funny. Um, so it's a third person game that's mm-hmm. not an RPG yeah. made in the 90s. Yeah. Also not a Western. Not a Western. Not a Western. <laughs> Probably has an inventory system of some kind. Pretty sure. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm bad at this game, guys. I'm is sorry. it an action game? No, it wouldn't qualify as an action game. Okay. Is this game played from a 2D perspective? Well, just I, I'll answer that if you want. But Tina already asked if you play from a third-person perspective. Well, and the answer was no. No, it was yes. Oh, it was yes. Yeah. That's right. So I would consider Super Mario World played from a third-person perspective because you can see Mario on the screen and you control him. Okay. But this was also like before <laughs> 2000. Yeah, so is Super Mario World. <laughs> So you, you were about, I thought you were talking about. You were going to ask if this is a two D game. Yes. No. Got it. I was going to say, does the little like box at the top count as an inventory that you have to manage? Mario. Oh. It, it yeah. Not. No. Well, and it, it's not two D anyway. Three uh, D. Okay. This was this game originally released on the PS One. Yes. PlayStation One. Oh man. Was it exclusive? Yes. That's ten. Oh, I'm gonna be so bad at this then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exclusives. This is this is my era. Yeah, please, Justin. Come on, Justin, bring it home. <laughs> We're not even anywhere close to bringing it home. We're not in bring it home. <laughs> We're in narrow it down territory. Yeah. Um. Okay. Was this game Third? was this game developed by Sony? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, so you know, there's like not an action game, not an action game, not is considered. It, is this game part of a franchise? Yes. In Mega Man Legends, mm. you have like Metal Gear Solid. Mega Man Legends is not a bad idea, but is that an RPG? No, and that's not an action game. Isn't that an action game? What are you talking about? It's not. This game is not, not an, an RPG. RPG. Right, but isn't Mega Man Legends an action game? And it's not an action game. Is it not an action? It's Did we ask action. action game? Yeah, I asked that. It's not an action game. It's not an action game. It's either? not considered an action game. I like to take Damon for his like very Thank specific you. words. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mega Man Legends is an action game. I missed the action game question. So yeah. it's a third person game that's not an action game, nor is it an RPG. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is this a game of not third? a western? It could be. A, <laughs> it could be a third person platformer. It could. Well, most of those on the PS One, I feel like, were made by Western developers, like Crash Bandicoot. But some were probably made in Japan, like Ape Escape. Yeah, Ape Escape was actually where my my mind was going too, but I don't know if that counts as action. I guess it doesn't. Is this game commonly considered a platformer? No. Okay. Mm. Well, there goes that theory. Yeah. I'm I'm genuinely like out of this. I have no <laughs> idea. Well, I mean, what other genres can we go through to help narrow? So I'm saying, like it's probably not a puzzle game because yeah. I'm I'm uh, I'm stuck on the inventory question. Believe it. <laughs> yeah. Or not. Like probably not a puzzle game. That goof has betrayed us. Could be an adventure game. Mm-hmm. 
Could it be some kind of shooter game because you have like ammunition that kind could of be a third inventory. person. Could could be a third oh. person shooty. Is it a shooty? Is it a shooty game? No. Ooh, it's going bad. Yeah. Should ask if there are even weapons in this game. <laughs> That's a frequent question. Um, not made by Sony, so it couldn't have been like Crash or anything, anyway. But exclusive to the PlayStation One. And part of a franchise, mm-hmm. part of a Japanese mm-hmm. game franchise. Mm-hmm. Was this game the start of the franchise? Yes. That's uh. 15. Mm-hmm. It's not Disgaea, because that's a strategy <laughs> RPG. Mm-hmm. No. When, when Resident Evil is, I'm trying to think of like Resident Evil, Silent Hill, those aren't could, action games, they're not platformers. Could be no. Resident Evil, but yeah. Damon would know that that game had an inventory. It could be Silent Hill, that's probably one that Damon's not That's some metagaming, as... though, knowing that Damon would <laughs> That's <know>. fine. <laughs> you know what? It's, I don't, that's it's, like it's totally fair. It's totally fair to play the meta. Yeah, it's fine. The meta is also, this is what, this is why Damon actually started taking reader questions, because when it was Damon picking the games, we got them too fast. <laughs> That's absolutely true. Um, I think, I think it's unlikely to be Silent, or, uh, Resident Evil, but it could absolutely be Silent Hill, because yeah. I bet Damon's not as familiar if that game has an inventory or not. We're at 15? Mm-hmm. Okay. Is this a survival horror game? Yes. Oh, <laughs> Yes. Is this game made by Konami? Yes. Is it not Silent Hill? It? It's Silent Hill. There we, we did it. There go. Nice. <laughs> Nicely job, everybody. Nice. Silent Hill, 1999. Um, I, I have my memory of Silent Hill is very hazy. I assume you have an inventory <laughs> as, as most survival horror games do. Nobody knows. Yeah, yeah fair assumption. I'm going to assume that you have it. I only played four? I don't know. One That's of the them. only one? You didn't play the first mm-hmm. one? No. I, I realized halfway through that uh, since you don't play a lot of spooky games, and maybe you weren't familiar with this. We one. got there in the end. Yeah. 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 You got there. Very well done. Thank you for the suggestion, Damien, my fellow Kansas Cityan. <laughs> <laughs> and that is all the scoops that we have for you this week. Everybody, uh, check out Wargroove if uh, turn-based strategy, Advanced war style games seem interesting to you. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Tina. Thank you, Dan in the studio. No, thank you, Ronnie in the studio this time, this week. My <laughs> name is Damien. This is IGN Game Scoop, and we're out. Yeah.
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.